Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Remember again, we looked at verse 10 last time when uh, the Apostle John said, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and He sent His Son to be the propitiation or the, the payment, okay, for our sins. It, we needed a sacrifice, and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. And what we saw in that was the tremendous love that God had for us, that He wasn't looking for us to love Him, that He just loved us. And out of that love came this. And we, you know, we needed to really understand how much love was behind what God did for several reasons. I don't want to go through everything that I preached last week. But, you know, one of the main things was that when things are going wrong, that we don't allow the devil to come and uh, condemn us and say, well, you didn't love God the way you should. So why should God do anything for you? That we, we know to fight that that we know that because God loved us, and that he, that's why the Apostle John says, in this, again, these first four words, when he says, in this is love, that God loved us. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. In that knowledge, in that understanding, then we can walk by faith. Then we can exercise our faith and know that God loves us so much, regardless of where we trip and fall, he's still there with us. And he's still on our side. Amen? And uh, th that really is what will allow us to do extraordinary things in God. Praise God. So, but there is something else now the Apostle John is going to do in this next verse. In understanding how much God loves us, how much God did for us. Now, the Apostle John is going to turn that around. And he says now in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, do you understand now why we need to know that first before we read this? Okay, so he's saying, and the word if, by the way, in the literal text isn't if, it's actually the word since, which is why the, um, uh, I think the NIV, I've got it here actually, the NIV actually says, dear friends, since God, uh, God so loved us. Okay, so it's not an if, but it's a since. We know because Jesus said, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Okay, he didn't say if he did. <laughs> he said, since, oh, he said, for God so loved the world. It was, it was a statement, all right? So in the same way, the apostle John is now saying, beloved, since God so loved us. Now watch, he goes to say, we also ought to love one another. In other words, something tremendous is going on here. He's saying, listen, since we understand God's love toward us, to such, and, and the kind of love that he, he, he showed toward us, he says, we need to love one another in the same way. Because he loved us, we need to love each other. All right. So we're going to look at that today and we're going to we're going to get some great insights into what that actually means. And I pray that by the end of this, you will truly understand this verse. I don't know whether we'll get to verse 12 or not today, but I'm going to do my very best to get this one concept across to you. You know, uh, I used to be a person that would teach about five or six concepts. Okay. And uh, I remember one of the ministers uh, you know, that, that used to listen and, and, and uh, he's doing other things today, but uh, in, uh, you know, in a, in a different arena, but he used to listen to me and he used to go, you know, Roche, I don't know, man. I don't know if people can, you know, get a hold of that many concepts. And it, I, I, I used to say, well, no, 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 they can, they can. And, you know, over the years, okay, I've realized that it's better to know one thing really well than a hundred things not so well. So my, my job now is to try and give you revelation on things. So if I can get one truth across to you a week, I'll be thrilled if you actually get it, okay? And you put it to use in your life because that's how we grow one step at a time, 
Amen? So today I want to bring this across to you. This week I want to bring this, this truth across to you. What, what the Apostle John, uh, uh, you know, what is the Apostle John trying to get across to us when he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, if God loved us to the degree that he just mentioned, then he, when he says we also ought to love one another. We need to understand what he means by that. So we're going to look at that today. Hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> in his commentary, Simon J. Kistemacher explains that by using the word loved, he, that is the Apostle John, employs the past tense to point to the historical event of Jesus' ministry and death, the supreme gift of love. Therefore, John writes the little word so, which means to such an extent. That is, God loved us to the extent of sending his own son to die for us on Calvary's cross. Did you all get that? <clears throat> what the Apostle John is doing here, let me just break this down for you a little bit, okay? <laughs> I can sense in the spirit that maybe you need this, a little bit more insight into this. Let me go back over this, all right? Again, when, when, when Simon J. Kissamaka says, that first of all, John employs the past tense to point to a historical event of Jesus' ministry and death. So he's going back in time. He's saying, you know, when, when he says again uh, in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, and he's saying, listen, the way God so loved us was, again, remember in verse 10 that he sent his son. All right, he goes back to this historical event that we can see God's love in action. We can see how much God loved us by what he gave up for us. For God so loved that he gave. Do you understand? Amen? And so that's why, you know, uh, the Apostle John and Simon J. Kismark is bringing this out when he says that John employs the past tense to point to the historical event of Jesus' ministry and death. Remember, Jesus didn't just die for us. He came and ministered to us. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. I mean, he just absolutely destroyed Everything that the enemy was trying to do. That's why the Apostle John actually says, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. This is again in 1 John 3 8. For this purpose, the, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Did you hear that? He came to destroy those works. So, this is how Jesus Christ ministered to us. So, he, don't, he didn't only die for us, he actually came and he just plundered hell. Everything that hell was doing up here, he just destroyed it all, got rid of it all. And, you know, I just, <laughs> I've said this before, I just think all the hospitals, if there were such things back then, okay, would have been empty because everybody was healed. Amen. So, this is what, you know, Simon J. Kissimark is bringing out in what the Apostle John is saying, that he employs the past tense to point to the historical event of Jesus' ministry, his ministry and death, the gift, or when he says the supreme gift of love, it was an incredible gift of love. And then he says, therefore, John writes the little word so. Again, remember when he says again, since God so loved us, okay? He says again, John writes the little word so, which means to such an extent. This is how much, to the extent God loved us. I mean, the extent to which God went. To, to, to redeem us was incredible. Okay, that's how much he loved us. That is, God loved us to the extent of sending his own son to die for us on Calvary's cross. So did you all get that now? Okay, let me move on. Accordingly, Thomas F. Johnson says that God's love, not human love, 
is the model of authentic love. Okay, again, what he brought in in verse 10. And God's gift of his only son is an extreme act of love. I really love the way he puts that. All right, he says again, God's gift of his only son is an extreme act of love. That, that was incredible. It was an incredible act of love, okay? God so loved us, both as to manner, that is in the way in which God loved us, and as to intensity, that is the depth of that love. Hallelujah. So we see both the manner and intensity of God's love in sending his son to die for each and every one of us. This is the same revelation that the Apostle Paul got when he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, where he, where he exclaims, thank, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, okay, because it's, it's so expressive. It says, thank God for his son. He says, a gift too wonderful for words. I'll just say amen to that. <laughs> amen, okay. <laughs> uh, it, it, it is it, what God did goes beyond what we can imagine, what we can think. You know, we really don't understand how wonderful that gift was. The, the, we get revelations over our life, you know, when, when God comes in and does something miraculous in our life, and we sort of see an expression of that love in the things that he does to help us out of just situations that are impossible, okay? Um, and we just... We just are so thankful to God. But do you understand that that comes from the place where he was, he was willing to send his son to die for us? Do you understand it is that same love that is always there to help you? Amen? All right. Anyway, and with that understanding, now we need to love each other in the same way. You might say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. As God's children. Remember he said, Behold, what manner of love is it that we should be called the children of God? And then he said, Behold, we are the children of God. <laughs> okay? So don't, don't, don't quit on me now. All right? Remember that you are God's child, which means that God lives on the inside of you. You are a new creation. Remember? The Apostle Paul brings that out. Okay? You've got all of that living in you. You've all got all that working in you. You can do this. Okay? I'm just letting you know right up front. All right. Back to this. That's why he goes in the same. In the latter half of verse 11, we also ought to love one another. Because, in, in, again, this is, in, this is in response to God's immense love toward us. Our response needs to be that God, you loved us so very much, we need to do the same thing, you know, uh, to our Christian brothers and sisters especially. In fact, this is the one debt that we can never pay back in full. It is something so comprehensive and all-encompassing that the Apostle Paul actually says in Romans chapter 13, so let's go there next, Romans chapter 13, in verses 8 through 10, listen to what he says, okay? He says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. So notice the Apostle John says, we also ought to love one another. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, he says, Owe no one anything. So we, we are not to owe anyone anything except this. We do owe this, okay? He says, except to love one another. So can I put this a different way? We owe to love one another, okay? That's the debt that we owe, okay? It's a, he says, owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, just in case you didn't get what he said, he goes in the same verse 9. For the commandments, listen, 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. That's selling lies, okay? You shall not covet. That's wanting something somebody else has, all right? And if there is any other commandment, or notice he says if there is any other commandment. He says if you, if you go, oh, oh, he missed that one. He says, listen, if I missed that one, I'm including that one in as well. <laughs> okay, so you can't wriggle out of this one. He says, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, watch now, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We ought, back to, back to John, when he said, we also ought to love one another. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, now I'm back in Romans 13 and verse 10. He goes and to say, love does no harm to a neighbor. So he's explaining this now. And he says, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do you now understand the kind of love that the Apostle John is talking about? He's saying, listen, if you truly love someone, you won't do them, you know, you won't do anything bad to them. You won't want their stuff, okay? <laughs> you won't lie about them. You won't do any of those bad things. We won't have to tell you, no, you shouldn't have done that, okay? Because if you love him, immediately love will say, no, I'm not going to do that. Do you get that? That's what the Apostle John is saying. You know, we ought to, it goes back to this again. I, I love the way he equates this. He says, listen, remember what God has done for you. In gratitude, we should then do the same for others. We should show the kind of love that God is showing to us, to other people. Do you get that? Can I, can I put it a different way? To some people, you are going to be the only evidence that God loves them, the way you love them. That's why it's such a sad thing, you know, when a Christian does something bad and somebody turns around and says, well, if, if this is the kind of God, you know, you serve, and if, if this is, you know, the kind of people that belong to that kind of God, I don't want anything to do with that kind of God. And I don't blame him. I didn't want to either. Listen, man, you might be the only thing somebody sees of God. How are you going to represent him? What are your actions going to say about him? Think about this. That's why the Apostle John says we ought to do this. We ought to love one another. People need to see that love in us. They need to see God's love for them in what we do for them. Amen? Are you getting this? Now, you know, don't all go and get... I can, I, I'm sensing something now. I need to deal with it very quickly. Don't, get, don't go into condemnation with this, okay? Don't be sitting there thinking, oh, dear God, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And I, okay, this is, if you do things out of condemnation, all right, it won't come out as well. <laughs> God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Whatever you want to do, you be cheerful about it. You, you, all you need to do is say, you know what, God, sorry, I should have done those things. I didn't. I'm so sorry. Moving forward, okay, always move forward, all right? Moving forward, I know now those are things that I do need to do. This is the, this is the way that I show your love to them, so I'm going to do that. And, and, you know, make a decision and also pray about things because I will guarantee you every time you want to do exactly what the Scripture says, we ought to love one another. As you start to step out in that, I will guarantee you. I'm not prophesying this. I'm guaranteeing this, okay, all right? I'm just letting you know the enemy will come. He will come to distract you. He will come to do anything and everything that he can do to stop you from stepping into this. Do you know why? Because he does not want people to know God loves them. Did you get that? 
You might say, are you, are you telling me that my little action means that much? It does, and you don't realize it. Amen. Amen. Now, please, please be led by the Spirit. Okay? Not your feelings, not guilt, not condemnation, by the Spirit. So you stay in prayer, and when God tells you to do something, that's when you do it. Okay? Don't just run out after this and call everybody you know. <laughs> you drive them up the wall. All right. Let me continue on. I pray that you're getting something from this. Relating this back to what the Apostle John said, we understand then that love is a debt we owe God and each other. And in fact, because of its scope and magnitude, the Apostle James calls it the royal law. I really love this. In James chapter 2 and verse 8, where he writes, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, he says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says you do well. <laughs> okay? I, I, I want to bring this aspect out now because I need you to understand something, family. You are royalty. You are kings and priests before God. I know the enemy does everything that he can to minimize you know, uh, your importance in the kingdom of God. Don't let him. Don't allow him access to that part of your heart and that part of your mind. Listen to me. You need to realize that you are God's child. You are a king and a priest. You know why? Because he lives in you. Amen. And because you are that, see, <laughs> if we live in a, you know, from an elevated point, if we understand our importance, not to look down on people ever, okay? But if we understand the, the you know, uh, who we are in Christ, if we understand who we are in God and in his kingdom, what I believe should come from that is that since you understand that you don't need to prove yourself, that you understand who you are in God and you're secure in that, then you are in a great position to be a blessing to people and not want anything back from them. Because all of your needs are met according to His riches in glory. So whatever you do for others in loving them, listen to me, in loving them, there are no strings attached. You love them unconditionally. Because what you do for them is you do it out of a good heart because you want to do it, not because there's something you can get out of it. And you know, people are looking for that kind of love. If they see that in you and they see the kind of person that gives without ever expecting to receive, do you know what you're doing? You are sowing a seed in their life to become like this and do exactly this as well. That they will then love other people in the way that you have loved them, they will love others. Do you see how this works? So the way that God loves you, you love them. The way that you love them, they see God's love. And they, you know, in, indirectly now, they are seeing that love of God on them. And then they will show that love to somebody else. Guess what they're doing? They're planting a seed in somebody else. And this thing will continue on and on and on. Amen. And then we will have a loving society that does anything, you know, that does things for people without strings attached. Wouldn't you love to live in that kind of world? I would. I'm just putting my hand up. Okay. So you begin, are you beginning to understand the scope of what the Apostle John is saying here? Why he is saying to do this? Amen. And why the Apostle James says that it is the royal law. In fact, there are, there are other reasons why it's called the royal law. Number one, it was given to us by the king of kings and the Lord of lords, okay? Jesus himself in uh, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 39, he said there, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
The king said that, okay? <laughs> All right? So that is a royal law for that reason. But also, the other reason, it's also called a royal law. Uh, so I'm giving you three reasons now, okay? Here's reason number three, is because it is considered the king of all laws. He's, remember when Jesus gave this? What was the question? What is the greatest law? Remember that? The lawyer tried to trick him, and Jesus said two things. Number one, love God, and then number two, I'm, you know, uh, simplifying it, okay? He says, number one, love God, and the second thing he says, love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> like the as yourself part, you know, because... Sometimes we do stuff for ourselves that we don't do with the neighbor. Okay, he says, listen, the stuff you do for yourself, that's how you love them. And I'm talking about normal people, okay? And, okay, anyway, let me not go any further on that one. All right, so he's, he, he, he says this. Jesus says, if you want to know, if you want to just keep one law, so to speak, then keep the law of love. That's why it is called a royal law. It, if you do that, everything else will get covered under it. Interesting, isn't it? All right. And uh, that's why even the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 14, he says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. See, you know what the word is, right? Love. Okay. But he puts it this way. He says, even in this, I mean, Galatians 5.14, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Notice he says, all the law is fulfilled in this one thing, in one word. He says, and, and so he's doing what, the, you know, what Jesus did. The Apostle Paul is doing the same thing that his master did. He's saying, listen, you, you want to trick me? You want to you know, you say, well, Paul, which one is the best law? I mean, which, you know, which one really? He says, listen, I'll give you one word, love. And they go, well, that's a big word, okay? He said, just love your neighbor as yourself. You do that one thing and it will fulfill all the law. Jesus said all the law and the prophets, in fact. Okay, right, anyway. So... I'm praying that with this understanding, you now begin to see what the Apostle John was saying to us in this verse. When he says, when you consider everything that God has done in the way that God loved us, when you look at that great love toward us, I want you to consider loving others in the same way. Don't just be a receptor of love. Be a giver as well. Don't always look to be blessed. Be a blessing as well. Are you getting this? Amen. See, I, I want to conclude here, but let me just share this with you. We're not put here to get everything that we possibly can get out of life. You know, that's, that's what the world does. You know, they're all about, you know, get your experiences, go out there, you know, make, make money so that you can do what you want to do to make you happy. You know, it's a funny thing with the kingdom of God it works the other way. Okay. The kingdom of God, you know, they tell us you do what makes other people happy because the more you bless them, the more is waiting for you in heaven. See, we're not looking. See, the world sees life, you know, the natural life to be the end of everything. You know, when they die, that's it. You know, they, as somebody once said, you take a dirt nap, you're done. <laughs> okay. But we don't see that. We know that there is life after this. In fact, the life after this goes on forever. This life that we are living right now is just a drop in the ocean. Do you understand? And how we live in this drop, okay, in this time, determines what the ocean is going to look like what forever is going to look like for us. 
Do you understand why the Apostle John says, listen, the way God loved you, love one another, because that is going to do something for you in the end, at the end of the day. Not only do you reap what you sow, and let me say this as clearly as I can, you sow love, you will reap love. You sow selfishness, that's what you're going to reap. Amen. And listen, the first one is much better, okay? You sow love and people will love you back. And I'm, when I say sow love, I don't mean S-O love, I mean S-O-W, okay? You sow love and people will begin to love you back. And you know what? That is the most blessed life that you can live. It isn't about the money. And, and you know, that will all come in different ways. People love you, you know, they'll give, they'll bless you, okay? But you're not looking for any of that. You just look to love. And you look to God to supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Be a blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. With that, the Apostle John says, and as we conclude in 1 John 4.11 again, he says, Beloved, since God so loved us. Can I add a word here? We also ought to so love one another. Amen. Amen. Next time we come back, we'll move on to verse 12. And there are some tremendous things in verse 12. Um, when he talks about that no one has seen God at any time. Well, we're going to look at that stuff. That's, that's so interesting, uh, but not for today. Okay, <laughs> I just want to whet your appetite so that you come back next week. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word.